Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast episode 51. As always I'm joined by Jordan. How's it going Jordan? Greetings. Two man podcast today will be without Dom unfortunately. He'll be back next week. Uh, Fireside Groove as we like to call it. Uh, as far as what I've been playing, it's been a rather slow week for me. Uh, I've only been playing Wildlands. I've been playing a ton of it. Uh, you're familiar with the game, obviously, Jordan. You've been playing through it. So I've already basically dismantled everybody in the influence category, including El Cardinal, uh, the, the main guy. And El Cardinal. I was under the impression that I had to destabilize two of the four things. So, you know, they're influence, security, smuggling, and production, I believe, are the four. Um, and it seems like now, the point of the story I'm in, I am currently at a point, spoiler alert, I'm doing missions with El Sueño, which I don't know if that's a spoiler, but just in case somebody gets upset about that, I'm doing missions involving El Sueño, who is the leader of the cartel, and I don't know if it's one of those things where I have, like, another hour or two hours in the game left, or if this makes it where something happens and then I had to go back and kill a second uh, branch, you know? I don't know what's going to happen exactly, so I've, I've put a bunch of hours into this game, so I assume it's the, the, fir the, the first as opposed to the latter, but yeah, I'm loving the game, been playing a ton of it. Uh, it's it's great because um, that game is just I love open world games that uh, are as deep or as shallow as you want them to be. Like you said, you're basically not really paying paying super much attention to the story, which is fine because you're getting right. what you want out of the game. Um, and I I like the story too, but it also is a game that oh well I have you know an hour I want to listen to this podcast. I don't really want to do story missions. Let me just knock out some side missions or get some collectibles, and that's what I love about open-world games. And for me, it definitely hit me perfectly in the time period it came out because it's before Andromeda, which I'm thankful I'm finishing yeah. before Andromeda. My review should be out next week uh, for Wildlands. And then also, I don't have a Switch, so I'm not playing Zelda, unfortunately. I don't have a PS4, so I'm not playing Horizon Zero Dawn. So I'm like the perfect audience for this. And so far, apparently, it's I'm, I'm part of a large audience. Uh, so far, it's been totaled that this is the best-selling game of the year so far, which isn't surprising because wow. The Division was one of the top five games sold last year. I believe it finished number three. Uh, we haven't really had a major release that hits a wide target audience. You know, Horizon Zero Dawn, as great as it is, we'll have a new story talking about its sales numbers, is an exclusive. Zelda is an exclusive. Yeah. Uh, Resident Evil is one of the biggest titles that came out but it's still a niche. You know, Resident Evil's huge, but as far as sales numbers, it's not going to hit those, like, crazy numbers. Uh, you know, Neo, an exclusive. Near Automata, an exclusive. Well, obviously, it isn't a huge game either. So, Wildlands is really the first release that is that, that you know, the general audience video game. So, it's no surprise that it's selling the way it does. But um, Good point. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, I've only been playing Wildlands. Nothing else to say there. What have you been playing? So, yeah, played a little bit more Wildlands uh, after we got off the podcast last week. Uh, several hours, I would say. So I'm, I'm um, not nearly as far into it as you are, but I'm definitely, you know, like 20-plus hours in. Um, so definitely still enjoying it. Um, I really like open worlds that kind of just know what they are and know that they're kind of just an open world that you're here to play in um, and kind of get out of your way and just let you enjoy it. Um, and I think this is totally that type of game. Um, so yeah, really enjoying that part of it, just going around and, and uh, it does definitely get repetitive. That's probably the biggest fault of the game. Uh, but, you know, most open worlds, I would say, have uh, 
some feeling of repetitiveness towards the end of your journey, I would say, anyways, so, um, though this one is a little bit further down that line. But um, besides that, I've been playing a ton, ton, ton of Horizon. Um, I'm pushing like 45 hours in, in Horizon at this point. Um, and uh, thinking that I'll probably end up getting pretty close to the Platinum uh, just by default uh, once I finish the story. Um, because of the fact that I am just kind of um, clearing, a, clearing the entire map out almost in a grid-like uh, fashion. So um, maybe I'll go for the Platinum, depending upon how far I have to stretch after I beat the story, but um, man, just, you know, I've already talked about how, how beautiful it is um, in 4K on the Pro, and um, the, it really does make a difference to me. I can really feel the difference in it. Um, this open world just comes to life in a different way than um, any other game I've played before. And so, um, you know, once you get further and further into the game, there's a lot of different diversity in the uh, types of areas that you visit and um, just some beautiful, beautiful vistas and areas to explore um, all throughout the game. So um, the map is... Not the biggest of open worlds, but it's absolutely sizable, and there's plenty to do within it. Uh, plenty to keep you busy um, for as long as you would need for a standard RPG, I would say. Um, so yeah, Horizon could easily uh, turn out to be my game of the year. Still, it's very, it's a very strong game, and the complaints I have with it um, are mostly, I would say, with the combat. The melee combat, um, I love the shooting for the most part, um, but the melee combat is uh, can be shaky sometimes just because I think the um, giant robots are just so powerful and have such a wide area of attack whenever they swing their arms or tails or legs, um, and Aloy is so vulnerable that I think it, it does get a little bit frustrating sometimes, especially when you're not able to lock on to enemies like you would be in a lot of third-person action-adventure games. So um, that's my biggest complaint now that I've uh, gotten pretty deep into the game. But other than that, very solid and could easily uh, take the cake for Game of the Year on my end. It's great to hear. I think you know this is a pretty stacked year, so it's going to have a lot of tough competition as we see it so far. Um, I'm still a believer that all of those games that people are saying that one or two of them are going to come out late this year for PlayStation off of their conference, I still don't think that's happening. Uh, and if that holds true, this is, in my opinion, probably the best PlayStation game at the very least of the year, you know? Uh, yeah, I think so. it'll be the best PlayStation game of the year, uh, best PlayStation exclusive of the year, I should I should say. Uh, but I think... It can contend. It just... I, it's a strong game on its own. I don't want to. Uh, yeah. You know, oh. Knock oh. It sure. Games, sure. So yeah. But um, I think we're going to see another PlayStation exclusive this fall. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, that's a probably a whole conversation for another day. But I, Horizon Zero Dawn is awesome, and you know all the people who are like Xbox fanboys that are mad about this. You know, and this is this is great because this shows that a team who is known for only one thing for the longest time and wasn't really successful, if you just give them the resources and the trust. Uh, and maybe a little fire under their ass. To be completely honest with you, uh, they can right. they can turn turn something into diamonds like this because that's great. I, it's awesome to see. And 
you know, seeing this from PlayStation is like, well, I hope this happens with Xbox, and that's if that can happen with Gorilla, who is known for uh, the Killzone games, and they weren't bad games necessarily, but they didn't like the world on fire. For them to come out and make something like this, that's like, well, that's cool because that means that you know, studios that Xbox works with can do this too, and um, sure, yeah, it gets me excited, and I'm stoked for it. It's it's awesome the success it had. So, um, so one thing I was going to tell you, um, also I've been trying to find a Switch. I've been wanting to play Zelda. I really, really wanted that to be, you know, once I pushed into further into Horizon, I wanted Zelda to kind of be the game that was keeping me company right up until Mass Effect, but that didn't happen. Uh, funny story, I called a Target here in Nashville and uh, asked the girl at Electronics if they had any Switches, and she said, no one in the world has Switches, and then she hung up the phone. Oh, wow. She probably anyways, gets nonstop calls about that too, so she's probably kind of yeah, already yeah. So she was it. just like, ah, fuck this. Anyways, um, I was going to say to you, uh, playing Horizon, I do think, um, you know, personally for me, I got a PlayStation Four in uh, fall of 2014, and uh, Infamous Second Second Son came out in spring of 2014. That was the game for me that I needed a PlayStation Four. But I would never really recommend and say, especially if, like you, you're uh, primarily Xbox, I would never say, oh, you got to get a PlayStation 4, um, because Infamous just wasn't strong enough to, you know, really uh, be a system seller or a killer app, anything like that. And, of course, Bloodborne is so niche that you can't really recommend it for that, even though it's a fabulous game. And personally, I don't think Uncharted 4 is reason enough uh, on its own to have a PlayStation 4, but I would absolutely tell you now, Jared, um, it's time to get a PlayStation 4 because you have got to play Horizon Zero Dawn. It is a killer app, It is, uh, and I'm sure it's going to be a system seller, um, and you know, you get a PlayStation, PlayStation whenever you want, but I say now is the time, and this is the first game that I think, you know, if you're an Xbox gamer or just a gamer that doesn't have a PlayStation yet, this is the uh, game and the time to get involved. Yeah, I, I see that, and I'm definitely it's definitely one of the games outside of Bloodborne that I'm jealous that PlayStation has over Xbox. Um, not many other of the exclusives, not that they're bad games by any means, but they never, you know... Like, I bought a PS3 for Last of Us. That's just, like, there's certain games, like... It was, Horizon Zero Dawn looks great, I eventually do want to play it, but I'm currently saving up so I can get a Switch, because that's my personal priority, because I want I to play you. Zelda, but more importantly, I want to play Super Mario Odyssey, and... Uh, that if, if the Switch wouldn't have come out this year, I would definitely be saving up for a PS4 at this point, but right, uh, I right. don't have a whole lot of expendable income, so the Switch is kind of my priority now, uh, just yeah. because I can easily more justify a mobile uh, console as opposed to yeah. an Xbox that plays exclusive games that aren't on Xbox, if that makes sense, obviously. That's a very yeah. layman's basic term. You know, It's no, easier for I, me I to you. justify it. Um, but actually, uh, let's get into the news stories here. Uh, so the first news is uh, kind of interesting. We recently found out that Outlast 2 is coming out uh, April 25th, which is great because you know Resident Evil 7, people love that game, and everyone loved the first Outlast, which is funny because in some ways Resident Evil 7 was inspired by the original Outlast. Um, sure. But we have a new story here. Kotaku Australia has received a copy of the Classification Board's report, which explains their reasons for slapping an RC rating on Outlast 2. You can see the full reasoning below, uh, which means it was refused classification. I'll go into the specifics here before we get into... Uh, Jordan actually want to say something about this. The Classification Board issued its ruling against Outlast 2 yesterday, with games 1A cited. 
1A is a classification given to games that depict, express, or otherwise deal with matters of sex, drug misuse, or addiction, crime, cruelty, violence, or revolting or abhorrent phen uh, phenomena in such a way that they offend against the standards of morality, decency, uh, generally accepted by reasonable adults to the extent uh, that they should not be classified. Basically saying that this game doesn't do anything positive for society and people shouldn't be allowed to buy the game is the, the easiest way to put this. And I think it's How ludicrous. dare they depict things that are real, though horrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, for me, I think that all art should be able to be expressed as long as it's not uh, hurting anybody in real life and um, there's appropriate avenues for the, the, the audience that's mature enough to play it or experience it are in place, which for video games we do have those ratings. I think it's just a an easy way out. I, I think it's ridiculous that this game was refused classification. I think any piece of art that's refused classification is ridiculous. Um, and Australia's kind of been known for this for a very long time. Yeah. So Yeah, so that's why I wanted to talk about this is... Um, it's a big... This is a, this is a big strike against you, Australia. Let me make that perfectly fucking clear because i really think i would love to be in australia live there whatever you know i think it's it looks like a beautiful place um i might have a thing for girls with australian accents um <laughs> uh, you know i think uh just the people in general there have a pretty cool laid-back attitude um however whenever i hear about the fact that you know the video game classification is so strict over there. And not only that, but I'm pretty sure they have um, bad... Don't they have... Aren't they one of the countries that have bad prices? Yeah. They're there's because some, the, there's... the import and export costs are crazy. Right. So all the prices are hiked up. Yeah. Right. So some places, like... Obviously, America is pretty much the standard for video game prices, right? Because uh, most AAA video games are made here. Um, and then Europe, it's pretty much the same-ish because um, most of Europe is, like, really into games. But then you get into, like, maybe South America or, like, in a country in Africa or obviously Australia. There's just random places in the world where game ex games are, like, out of this world expensive. Like, $100 for a game as opposed to 60 over here. It's crazy shit, right? And so um, that's a big strike against you, Australia. And I know you may not care about my opinion, but there's a lot of people out there that play video games. And it is, you know, the uh, biggest money-making entertainment industry in the world. So I don't think you want to be turning people like that away from your country. And I think that being a, you know, free country as Australia it is, Australia is, I definitely think you want to promote freedom and art and expression as you stated earlier and so um you know i get that the whole world isn't where we are uh and i mean like gamers of our ilk um every, everyone doesn't see games as as uh the art that they are and sometimes even the high art that they are that we can recognize you know and so i get that it can seem like childish and just base and brutal and violent but you need to be more progressive i think as a country and a government and look past that and see that um this is absolutely art and it absolutely deserves to be expressed in uh, the realest fashion possible 
And if this is what they want to put in their games and adults, consenting adults, want to buy it, then I think that that should absolutely be possible. And it's just a tragedy, tragedy that that these people are in Australia aren't going to get to play this game. And I know that Outlast has a really big following worldwide, so it's, it really sucks. And what this does... All this does when a government uh, bans a video game in this country is just forces people to pirate it. Yep. So. I think... Sorry, the, I, I didn't mean to just take over that topic. <laughs> no problem. The The big the weirdest thing to me is uh, normally a lot of times when you see this like anti-violence culture, it's in a country where their society and their culture itself represents a more uh, closed off and more subtle kind of society, right? Whereas Australia isn't that. A lot of Australians pride themselves on their drinking ability. It's a very jovial country. The people, uh, you know, with the recent RTX Australia and all these other conventions, they welcome people from all uh, aspects of the world with open arms, and they're very kind. And, you know, like I said before, they pride themselves in the amount of alcohol they can take in. And for a country that's as open and as happy as that to, you know, an American, uh, it's weird to me that there's this opposite side that's so counterculture, where it's like, no, we need to protect you from all this violence. Uh, I just think it's strange. I think it's also coming from the perspective of an American where we grow up where sex is very stigmatized but we're all okay with violence whereas in a lot of other countries it's opposite where they're like you can see boobs if you're five it's fine but make sure you don't see somebody get stabbed you know so it's just like this this uh, different kind of way of looking at things but i do think it's crazy that you're you it's not even that you're not going to give it a very harsh rating where it's a very limited amount of people that can buy it and then they can obviously uh second buyers just you refute classification period which i think is extreme and unnecessary and that's really all i have to say about the matter so Sure. Um, Agreed. Agreed, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the second bit of news here actually gets me happy because you said earlier that Horizon Zero Dawn is a must-play game. It's a game that is a system seller. Well, they recently announced via the yes. PlayStation blog that PS uh, PlayStation Now is going to be bringing PS4 games to the service. That meaning you can play PlayStation 4 games through PlayStation Now on your PS4 as well as PC. Remember, about two weeks ago or so, there was the announcement that they're removing PlayStation Now from literally everything except for PS4 and PC. This makes sense. Um, I think this is huge for the service. This is great. We were talking about what can they do to improve the service. I still have some major hangups with the service itself. One being that they haven't announced anything with the price. As far as a month-to-month, -month, they said for a year it'll be like $100 or something. Um, but I still think that they need to um, they need to get more aggressive with their price point uh, just to show that and the, the funny thing is is you know the, the Xbox game pass isn't a move to necessarily compete with PlayStation to have people move over it's to make the people that already own an Xbox that more happy that they have that service right whereas the PlayStation it's the same thing they don't need to change this at all they still have so many units in the wild but this is about optics and you want to show your gamers that you're providing the best service available. And PlayStation, though, they have so many units out there. They've shown that that announcement for the PS4 is kind of counterintuitive to what's happened since. You know, uh, Xbox has gotten the backwards compatibility. PlayStation hasn't. Uh, PlayStation now seemed like a service that they, they invested in because they were going to make the most of it. And we've talked about it at length. It was kind of a dud. And this is a great move in that in that. Um, aspect and this is great for somebody like me who you know people are talking about why what's the point of me owning an xbox if i can play all my all the xbox exclusives on pc somebody can make that case now potentially what's the point of me yeah. owning a playstation if i can own my uh, play the playstation exclusive on pc because you know what the whole argument to that is 
It doesn't make any sense. People can't afford a PC. There's a difference between buying a console that can play Horizon Zero Dawn comfortably and buying a PC that can play Horizon Zero Dawn comfortably, you know? And those are two different price points, and I've, I've hated the argument for the longest time. Like, Xbox is biting itself in the foot because they're not giving anybody a reason to buy an Xbox. It's like, I hate that argument, and uh, I think gamers win on all accords, and... You know, it's all about selling software. They want to sell hardware, but the more software you can sell is great too. Um, but anyways, I just want to say that this is really cool because I can't wait to play PS4 games on my PC. So, just a note there, though, you're not actually running Horizon on your PC. You're running it uh, on an external Sony server, and yeah, which is uh, yeah, that's another point. PC. Yeah, we yeah. haven't even talked about that's another point that they need to prove not only the price point but streaming versus downloading. Or having your option to do both. They're not. They're not going to change that, dude. Trust me. Because then that really that really shows that that Gaikai purchase was bullshit. Um, not bullshit, but just a terrible fucking decision. Um, and it also would be like copying Xbox after they, they were the ones that had this service out in the first place for so long. And so they're just not going to do that, which sucks. But, yeah. And that's the whole yeah. argument that's very funny in this space now because, like... I'm not faulting PlayStation by any means. They have great games. And, you know, last year's press conference was great, even though 90% of those games don't even have release dates. Uh, and people complain about seeing games too early. Uh, but then on the other hand, Xbox is doing all these services very good, but then they don't have the exclusives necessarily. So it's like this this weird thing of, we've talked about it before, of like neither of them is doing everything correctly. Um, so it's really interesting that PlayStation is so far ahead. Um I mean, there's reasons for that. It's not crazy by any means, but it's just, it's funny that uh, they're both doing things that the other wishes they could do better, you know? Um, and I, this is good. It's a good step. I don't think this fixes the problem at all, but I do think this is a good step. And it was kind of, you know, glaring us in, a fa in the face when we saw that they removed support for literally everything else. It's like, oh, okay, something's happening here. Um, it's funny you say, like, there's so many things that, like, most of the things that Sony does wrong, Microsoft does right. And most of the things that Microsoft yeah. <laughs> does wrong, Sony does right. Yeah. And so you're kind of like, man, it'd be awesome if there was a third company that could try to be the best of both worlds. Wait, up oh, Nintendo. <laughs> oh, no, you guys are still fucking up? You guys are still being dumb? Okay, yeah. cool, never mind, never mind. Um, the other thing that Game Pass will always have over, and not just Game Pass, that Xbox will have over PlayStation is no matter even if you make this competitive price with Game Pass, I can play my Xbox 360 games on my Xbox One without having to buy into the service. The only way you can play PS3 games on your PS4 is through this. You know, there's yeah. no backwards compatibility. So there's a shot in the foot there. But I don't want to be a downer on this. I think it's exciting because this shows that they're moving towards um, making the service better for PlayStation gamers. And, you know, when things are better for both of us, we win. Um, but going off of being able to play Horizon Zero Dawn on my PC eventually, hopefully, another news story here, which is great. We talked about Horizon Zero Dawn earlier. It sold 2.6 million copies in two weeks, and they've announced that a story expansion is coming, which is great. Um, it's the best new selling IP from Sony for PS4 ever, and Marcus Developer, Guerrilla Games' biggest debut, obviously, because Killzone doesn't sound Congratulations, Guerrilla. Yeah. And also, uh, this basically, it, uh, the figures include physical copies sold to customers and digital units sold through PlayStation Store. So this isn't counting digital sales through third parties. Uh, so Amazon, all the other sellers, right? 
Um, so it could be it could be way higher. I personally, if I had to make a guess, I would say it's above three mil easily. That's just my opinion. That's I don't think that's yeah. too crazy. That point four more were sold in third party or other places. Um, I think this is great. Uh, you know, people always talk about how it's hard for new IP to survive and, and do stuff. And this shows right here that if you make a quality experience, uh, a new IP can thrive and sell fantastically, you know, just putting in the work. People yep. always think it's like this franchise, you need to make your game part of a franchise. That's the only way it sells. Um, this Horizon Zero Dawn and Get Out are perfect examples to their industries that you can make new IP and it can be successful. Stop remaking stuff. Make some new cool shit and people will buy it. You know, Get Out's going yeah. crazy at the box office. Horizon Zero Dawn is selling very well, uh, and that's awesome. Uh, so, congratulations to Gorilla from Controlled Interest, Jordan I, and Dom, who's on here, uh, on a fantastic game. They've both been uh, knee deep in that world, so it's no surprise that it's sold as well as it has. So, that's great to hear. Um, let's see here. Uh, the last news story comes by of GameSpot as well. Uh, six classic Disney games coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC in new compilation pack. This is going to be called the Disney Afternoon Collection. It arrives in April. Uh, oh, boy! It's going to be including uh, DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, uh, Tailspin, and uh, Rescue Rangers 1 and 2. This is great. I think the, the price point is fantastic. It's 20 bucks. I think that's a very cheap price. Uh, for all of these, it could be cheaper, but I think they could easily try to gouge people, and they didn't. My biggest uh, point of like a thumbs up with this is that this is game preservation done right. You know, a lot of yeah, these games yeah. are older games. We're not going to be able to play them eventually. Being able to port them over to newer systems means that they still stay alive. Uh, I I love the remaster of Ducktales. I really. If anything, I hope that this indicates that they're going to work towards remastering all those other games too. They're. Disney is Nintendo. There is nostalgia there. You can remake these classic 2D platformers and stuff, and they will sell pretty well, you know, for at least the investment you put into them. And, uh, I mean, I love that DuckTales remaster. I don't know if you had a chance to play it, Jordan, but, like, it was so well done. And, uh, yeah, like, I'm just excited for this. I don't know if it's something I'm necessarily going to be picking up right away, but I can almost guarantee that this will probably be on a sale and I'll pick it up eventually. And uh, as far as game preservation goes, I'm super excited about this. These are the things that I like. It's not when a game releases individually and they're like, here's an NES, or not, I guess NES is, well, not a Nintendo NES game. And they're like, pay us 15 bucks for it, it's one game. I like these collections. It's like, well, we own all these properties. I hope Disney does this with the Lion King game and the Aladdin game and those, you know? And they do the same thing because not only is it game preservation, but it's giving us a good value for the product as well. So um, I think it's great news. I really want us to get to a point, and I think um, it's like the gaming singularity, I guess you could call it. Um, maybe it'll be PS5, maybe it'll be PS6, but I'd really like it if we could have, like, let's say it happens in PS5 generation, um, to where PlayStation has all the PS5 games, all the PS4 games, all the PS3 games, all the PS2 games, and all the PS1 games all available on PlayStation Network for purchase, download, and play on the singular console, um, whatever it may be called, um, PS5 or whatever. Um, so I'd really like to see that happen. And maybe it's Nintendo that does it first, maybe it's Microsoft that does it first, but it'd be so cool if one of these gaming companies could come out with a platform and say, every game that we've ever put out for these platforms... Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One, and now Scorpio, 
These games are all available. You can go back to the beginning of when our game started, and you can go all the way till now and into the future. That'd be really cool. It'd be interesting to see who, which company can get there first. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's funny, too, because Nintendo and Microsoft are kind of ahead of PlayStation in that regard because uh, Nintendo has the eShop with all their classics, but they still, it's kind of a weird thing where not all of the games are available, and obviously with the Switch, none of the games are available at launch. And with Microsoft, the only, the thing is, is I think Microsoft's the farthest ahead in this. The only thing that's uh, a knock to Microsoft is they just haven't been around as long as the other two. So right. having that whole they don't ca- have catalog, that backlog. Yes, yeah. having that whole catalog is impressive in and of itself, but in comparison, wouldn't be as impressive. And by the way, PlayStation, make backwards compatibility work already. I'm tired of excuses. I know it's it's a tough thing coming from an Xbox guy, but like hearing the excuses of the name changes and the backwards, oh, it's such a complicated system. We have to do all this stuff. Well, guess what? You have 55 million units. You think for a smart company, you'd put time and investment into that because more people will buy a PlayStation then. You know, like I, I just don't understand the excuses. Well, that bothers me. as far as the... Uh name change they have put time and money in it was a poor business decision and technological decision that they made when they set up the playstation network based on you know your name on your profile as opposed to giving you a identification number for your profile you know we've talked about that before um so that was just a poor decision that was made a long time ago that is very hard to reconfigure once you're you know 10 years plus down the road however Jared, you're talking crazy right now because (laughs) there's absolutely no way Shuhei Yoshida could not tinker for the rest of his life and he would still not be able to play a PS1 game on my PS4 Pro. There's just no way. I mean, sure, it can do Horizon in 4K, Jared, but there's absolutely no way that Final Fantasy VII would ever run on my PS4. Oh, wait. It already fucking does. Just put PS1 and PS2 games on the goddamn PSN for PS4. Can we just do it? It's fucking stupid that it's not already that way. Like, I get the PS3 thing. You've got the, uh, the, uh, I'm forgetting the engine. The, the Emotion engine? Was that, that was PS2. Cell. The Cell processor. That was PS3. I get that that's very hard to emulate, especially when, you know, PS4 is more powerful than PS3, but it's not you know, ten, five times more powerful, for example. Yeah. Um, so I get that. I get the PS3 thing. But the fact that there's only a handful of PS2 games and all the PS2 games and all the PS1 games that I have on my PS3 that I bought on PSN can't be played on my PS4, it's absolutely ridiculous. My PS4 Pro! that can run four fucking K. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, that just... It's a shame that that isn't the case, you know? It's like, come on, PlayStation. It, for, to me, looking on the outside of not being a PlayStation gamer, uh, in this generation anyways, it's kind of like, you know, you see, like, this store this storefront where they're selling, like, for instance, all these ice creams. People are loving these ice creams. It's like, oh, right. these are so great. And then you look behind the, you look behind the curtain, and it's like, man, these work conditions aren't great. These these workers seem like they're not getting enough they're time like, off. It's like, oh, hey, you know? can I get a cone? This ice cream's just melting all over my hand. Like, Sorry, I, I hope you like the ice cream. <laughs> yeah, like, we can't, we don't have any cones or bowls. We didn't think about it ten years ago. Sorry. Yeah, but our ice cream's so good, you'll just take a scoop in your hand, won't you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you fucking surf. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it just it's frustrating, like I've said before, because Xbox would be far ahead of PlayStation if it just had those exclusives, man. Because it's nailing all the services. PlayStation, it already is ahead, but it could just be decimating Xbox if it just had the services. So we've gone over that time and time again. It's just it's funny to see um, the parallels between those two companies and. Uh, it's just, it's so funny. And honestly, it seems like the exclusives thing, though it does take a lot of time and investment as far as building relationships, is the easier thing to fix in a quicker way than these services because it seems like, as we've seen, the way PlayStation set up everything, these services are going to take a long churning process to try to fix and figure out, you know. So it's on Microsoft to, you know, shoot first and, and get people excited and get some exclusives so that way they, they're on top moving forward. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, my news story, or oh, there is a, a fifth news story that I actually want to make my topic, and it's pretty interesting. Uh, today we found out Telltale's uh, game CEO is stepping down. Uh, basically, co-founder Dan Connors will take his place. Uh, if you didn't know, Kevin Bruner was the CEO of Telltale. He's been there since January 2015, uh, and I want to give you a quote from him, and then we'll go over what we think, why we think he stepped down, and what this means for the future of Telltale. Uh, so basically he stated, we've grown aggressively since Telltale's inception, and now Telltale is bigger than I ever dreamed it would be. Bruno reportedly said, there are many possible futures for Telltale, and all of them are exciting and uniquely challenging. The time has come to pass the reins to someone that can better drive Telltale to the next level and realize all the potential that is here. Um, just going based off of that quote, I'm, you don't want to read too much into people's words, I really think that Telltale outgrew Bruner's comfort level as far as a CEO. CEO is a very important position in a company, and I'm not saying he's not qualified or he's he doesn't have the knowledge to do so, but everybody handles things differently. And I think when you take the CEO position for a small company, you're you know, you're the small guy going after the big man. And you're like, I'm a CEO, I'm gonna run this, we're gonna be successful. And then you slowly see your company expand and expand exponentially. Like huge. Telltale's blown up and yeah, I just but my thing is just like Sure, they've grown a lot, but did you really not see that coming two years ago when you started this? You know, they had already announced the Marvel partnership and the Batman game and, like, this, that, and the other. It's like, really? Did you not think that this was going to be where it was going to end up by 2017, you know? Or maybe he did think, uh, realize that's where it was going to go and then it just became so, so overwhelming. Um, they handle a lot of partnerships, you know, all of their stuff is basically licensed. So they handle a lot of partnerships and that wanes on some people. And, you know, everyone wants to be the CEO for the monetary gain, but not everybody's built to be a CEO. It's a lot of work as far as like for not the huge conglomerations where, you know, supposedly CEOs don't do nothing, but like these type of companies, like CEOs are very important and it could just be, he grew out of it. Maybe he just wants to do something else, you know? Um, sure. And I think yeah. I think the good news here is uh, that the guy who was there before him has still been at the company, and he's just moving back into the slot of CEO. Yeah, the co-owner. I think that's great, yeah. It's going to be pretty seamless, and and it seems like they're going to keep moving on without too many bumps in the road. Exactly. Uh, And also, uh, going along with Telltale... It's either today, the day of recording, which was March 16th, or tomorrow, they're doing the first gameplay reveal for Guardians of the Galaxy, which is great. Uh, I, I don't need to see too much of the game. I When I know a Telltale game's coming, I already know what to expect. Uh, we did get an announcement of the voice cast, a lot of really cool voice actors. No one that is super familiar in the sense of previous Telltale games. There's no really, uh, there's no like the Troy Baker cast or the Laura Bailey's or anything like that. 
um, but some interesting choices. And we did get confirmed, Jordan, what we kind of talked about last week. There will be five episodes. Each one is going to be played by, uh, you're going to be playing one of the members of Guardians of the Galaxy. And the biggest uh, talent, um, I, the, I should say the biggest voice talent I'm excited for in this game Nolan North is voicing Rocket Raccoon. I think that's awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's I think that's great. so great. Um, but as far as just Telltale, I think when you have a CEO leave and somebody's going to be taking the place, you want it to be somebody from the inside. The worst thing that can happen is that you hire an outsider. And it's not that the outsider can't do the job. It's just you want somebody who knows the company, right? And the fact that it's going to be the co-founder, like you said, puts him in a very comfortable place where the transition period isn't going to be as hectic as it normally would. Um, and the last thing I want to say about this is like, Where's episode three? I want it before Mass Effect. Just give me episode Seriously. three of Walking Dead. Uh, I knew it was such a bad idea to put two episodes out at once, man. I just knew it. And uh, you can tell the way that they did Batman so quickly. When they were doing Batman so fast, I was like, oh, this is going to fuck up Walking Dead. I can just tell. Because there's no way they can just keep on chugging, you know. Um, real quick, I wanted to say um, about... Uh, you were saying uh, Guardians is going to be coming out soon, and you said five episodes, right? Yeah, it's going to be five episodes, yep. So it's a full series. Um, crap, what was I going to say? I totally forgot. Uh, anything with the release schedule, the voice cast, the different character in each episode, maybe related to the movie. Uh... I'm just trying to throw out spitball things that might spark your memory. Uh, was about you mentioned something about guardians that reminded me something of something that pertained to the rest of the industry. So I might uh, recall later on. The uh, show each character you're going to play in each episode. Uh, no, that okay. Wasn't it. Yeah, I've, um, <laughs> I think it's. I guess we can't. We'll uh. We'll, that that uh thought will be lost to time and space. I'll um, I'll get it back at some point. I hope. Yeah. Uh. That's pretty much it. There's not too much to say about Telltale. I just wanted to get our thoughts down of what we felt about uh a CEO transition. Telltale is a great company. I think they're 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 expert storytellers. Their biggest problem has been their engine. And as far as Batman, with my <laughs> experience, it seems like there was it was trending upward. From hearing everybody with PlayStation and everything, it seems like that wasn't the case, which is a shame. Uh, but like we said, Walking Dead ran well for both you and Dom, which is great. Um, yeah, I watched uh, the Easy Allies talking about Batman the other day on Frame Trap, and they were saying Batman was their worst running Telltale game ever as well. So it's so interesting. And they, they all play on PlayStation as well. Um, so, yeah, it's I think Telltale is a great company, and... I, I don't think their flaws are necessarily crazy bad. I think Batman is a very good example of the worst it can get. But so far what we've seen from Walking Dead and stuff, I think their their trajectory is upward still with their performance of their games because they already have all the narrative stuff down. Um, so, yeah. We just want episode three. Uh, congrats to the new CEO. Uh, and uh, give us a brand new goddamn episode. Well, already. congrats to the new old CEO. The new old, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So we talked about PlayStation quite a bit on this uh, on this podcast as far as services and stuff, uh, but you wanted to hit us with uh, what would we call it, Jordan? The uh, oh well, we were gonna call it something, but then I think I thought of a better name. I think it's gonna be PlayStation Debriefing March twenty seventeen. There you go. Okay, hit us with uh, your there you debriefing. Go. So so come on into the war room and have a seat. 
I'll bring up our uh, holographic display here in the middle of the table, and we're going to go on a, a debriefing here. Um, basically, yeah, I just wanted to talk about uh, PlayStation, where we're at. This will be um, actually a recurring topic, the PlayStation debriefing. March 2017. Um, and so I'll have it, you know, like every few months or whatever, maybe later on this fall. We'll see what's up. And just talk about where we're at with PlayStation um, and uh, see see where we're going. Um, so, of course, we can start out with uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. You mentioned that it sold 2.6 million copies. Um, that's obviously a great start. It's great for Gorilla and great for PlayStation in general. Um, but I definitely think it's also really good for a couple of other things in the industry. I think that, um, you know... Laura Croft was always a big example of uh, video game heroine, right? Like a main character being female in a video game and being a badass. But I think um, Aloy is going to be an even stronger example of that just because I think that um, Laura Croft will always be this kind of like... She doesn't look like it in the game, but she's kind of like an old crotchety video game character, you know? Like, she's like... She's like your old uncle's video game character, you know? She's like an older staple, you well, know, like Mario also, and them. Also, when she first came out, she was very over-sexualized, which uh, right. Alloy doesn't have that. Like, she's a very strong woman right. from the start. And the recent Tomb exactly. Raider games have kind of corrected that, but you always have in the back of your mind, oh, remember the skimply clad Tomb Raider, you know? Sure. Laura Croft, yeah. yeah so. Yeah, so Aloy comes out from the start a lot stronger, and she's also... Um, just uh very memorable very likable you know they try uh in the later tomb latest tomb raider games to get away from what you're talking about with the scantily clad and so they make her look very plain with just a tank top and some pants you know like um aloy really sticks out with her red hair and her uh weird looking clothes because of the um world that she comes from and um so yeah that's that's a big part of it and then also, um, it shows that, like you said earlier, these studios that may have been known for uh, doing a certain thing over and over again can always break out of that mold. And uh, studios that aren't necessarily looked at as powerhouses within the first parties um, can totally move around. And, um, you know, to be honest, I think that. Uh, with this game, Gorilla has absolutely solidified itself at the top of the Sony first-party stable up there with Sucker Punch and Naughty Dog and, um, you know, putting them up there with uh, great first uh, PlayStation Studios maybe that aren't first-party, but like Insomniac and, and guys like that. So um, they're definitely uh, taking a step up, and so I think that this will inspire other studios to do the same thing. Like you can kind of act a little bit big, a little bit big for your britches. You know, you can kind of reach a little bit further than you would expect. And then um, another point, of course, is yeah, new IPs can work um, as long as you're doing something that's interesting, something that's fresh, and something that is um, you know cool in 2017 or in 2018 when it comes out or whenever. Um, it just needs to um, be something that people are going to want to put their time and their their mind share into because um, a big thing about new franchises is hooking you in on the lore, right? 
when a new franchise starts up, it's got to hook you in on the lore or it's not going to have its fan base that it needs to sustain itself uh, for many, many years. So I think um, Horizon proves a lot of things that we thought were not true just a couple years ago in the industry that you couldn't have a big AAA game with a female protagonist or you couldn't do it very often. Uh, these smaller studios and first parties couldn't uh, reach for the stars and make these huge AAA games. They were relegated to their area, their lane, uh, so it were. And then that uh, new uh, IPs can't be proliferated and really uh, make a studio or a publisher uh, a lot of money. So um, there's that. And then... Um, Further into the debriefing, debriefing, I think it's just um, looking ahead. I think we have, um, you know, there are already several uh, great PlayStation exclusives, maybe not first-party games, but exclusives, like Neo, and then you did have the first-party game with uh, Gravity Rush 2 earlier this year, um, but even later on this year, I think we're going to have even more of those. You've got Persona 5 coming up next month is an exclusive. Um, there is going to be another first-party game. Um, it's tough to tell whether it'll be God of War, Detroit, uh, or Days Gone. Um, I'm thinking it's not going to be God of War, but I think we could definitely see Days Gone or De uh, Detroit this year. Um, so yeah, um, what do you think, Jared, from an outsider's perspective, looking at looking at PlayStation right now? Um... So I think the biggest thing, coming from an Xbox perspective, is there's been a lot of murmurings of the sky is falling for Xbox, which I think is completely overblown and crazy. I don't think there's murmurings. I think people yeah. are just acting like the sky is falling. Yeah, I, I think it's crazy, to be completely honest with you. But in the same sense, I think PlayStation has done a phenomenal job of bringing out a lot of exclusives. The thing with all of those exclusives, though, outside of Horizon Zero Dawn, most of them are niche. Like... Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn definitely hits a more general core audience, right? Uh, Persona 5 is probably going to be a phenomenal game. That's a very niche audience. Nier Automata, niche audience. Gravity Rush 2, niche audience. Neo, niche audience. But I really think that's how you hit exclusivity right. You know, you want to have... You shouldn't have more than one first-party exclusive or just even first, second, or third-party that uh, goes to the general audience in more than a span of three months because then people feel overwhelmed. We're seeing non-exclusive games that are coming out. Like, this first three months of this year is insane so far, you know? Um, and I think yeah, PlayStation... especially is, if you're a PlayStation gamer. Exactly. And I think that they, they've set it up perfectly of, like, okay, if are you, are you do you like Souls? Do you like, you like those type of difficult games? Here's here's Neil for you. Uh, you like you like superheroish kind of Japanesey games. Here's Gravity Rush. Oh, you're just a core gamer, but you also love open worlds and you're hardcore as well. Here's Horizon. Su you know. Superhero-y Japanesey games. <laughs> yeah, you, there's plenty of niches for people. You know, and I think that yeah, exactly. And they're hitting all those, which obviously we've talked about. Xbox is just straight up not doing. They don't have enough diversity in their first party to hit uh every type of customer on yep. their platform and i'd say it's and, not just uh, first party it's second and third like i think that's a big point for phil spencer moving forward and i think that's going to be a huge part of their conference i people are thinking that they're going to show off scorpio at e3 as the initial thing and that might be the case but i don't think so i think they're going to have an event before because they want to they realize that and they've realized since phil spencer's taken over that's all about the games and it's you know strengthening those partnerships and yeah scalebound sucks 
But really, would you rather have an exclusive that could have come out to lukewarm reception and not been very good and still been shitted on as an Xbox gamer or have them cut those ties now and put those resources to something that might take a little bit more time to develop but you'll ultimately be happy to call yourself an Xbox gamer with that exclusive, you know? And I think you know, that... So, yeah, go Though, ahead. I, I would just want to play devil's advocate there because as, you know, I, I am an Xbox gamer myself and I would say this. Um, I think the right balance is for them to cancel those games earlier. Fable Legends and Scalebound were way too late in development. Really about to come out, both of them, within the span of a year. And they were canceled. And I think they should have been canned way earlier on. And then they those teams could have moved on to something else and had a new game up on the table sooner. So I think that's... Well, um, also my biggest issue with that. I think I think it's you can't really. I understand the comparison there, um, but Lionhead was in a different situation than Scalebound, you know, because Scalebound Xbox on the IP, but it wasn't first party, you know. Whereas Lionhead is the more telling one of like, why didn't they cancel that sooner? Because their relationship with that studio, they own Lionhead, you know, well they owned before they closed it. So it's like it's interesting to me that they wouldn't have done that one sooner. Uh, but there's also the devil devil's advocate to that devil's advocate of like. Well, yeah, they didn't do it sooner, but at least they didn't take him 10 years to do it, you know? So it's like, it's this weird thing. Uh, I do agree with you that, yeah, I, I don't think it was handled necessarily perfectly well, um, but, you know, shifting more towards PlayStation, I think I am of the of the boat that I don't think any of those uh, games that you just mentioned are coming out this fall. I can be surprised, um, but just with the slate of everything we already know that's coming out this fall with Destiny 2 and Red Dead, um, barring obviously delays and such, I really don't know if they even need to. And we've talked, we've talked about this too. Like, uh, plenty of people have talked about it that they haven't really had fall exclusives and they've done fine. And I don't know if PlayStation is even trying to get those games out earlier. Uh, as far as like a Detroit Become Human or Beyond Human, I always call it. No, that's right, right? Become it human. is beyond yeah. become. Yeah. yeah, okay. I always get that mixed up. Uh, Cage. Is, it's 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 because of the beyond two uh, souls. Yeah, yeah. It's um, because of their last game. Cage is a uh, very perfectionist, sometimes to a fault, and that guy. If you give him the option of three more months, he's going to take three more months. You know. Um, oh sure. And God of Quantic War. Dream would never. If Quantic Dream had it their way, their games would just never come out. <laughs> exactly. Polish, polish, polish. God of War, I agree with you, is 100% the one that doesn't come out this year. I think Detroit and Days Gone have the higher chance. And I'm super in the minority, and this is coming from an Xbox dude, so take it with a grain of salt. But out of all of those games that they showed off, Days Gone looked like the most generic, boring out of all of them. It's the one I'm... If I was a PlayStation gamer, I'd be the least interested in. And that's not coming oh, from I a place of somebody am. who has zombie fatigue. I love zombie games. I'm super excited for State of Decay 2. It's just that the way they're showcasing that game, maybe that presentation was just bad, but it doesn't hook me on any level. Spider-Man hooked me. God of War The New Direction hooked me. Detroit, come on. Like, all of those games that they showed hit me, and... Days Gone just like wow, this is yeah. Not, I agree. Yeah, definitely uh, the least excited game for me as far as PlayStation exclusives, which sucks because I think it's probably going to be the next one out. Uh, maybe Detroit will sneak in there before it, but it would really be tough on Days Gone to be, you know, because there's not very many first-party Sony uh, open-world games, and it's going to be tough on that game to run right up next to Horizon as far as the order of. If it comes out this fall, man, to come out next to Red Dead, 
That's going to be tough. Well, to come out next to those games, yeah, but (laughs) just think as far as being, you know, the next PlayStation exclusive to step up after Horizon, it's like, sorry, dude, that sucks for you, you know? Yeah, and maybe we're wrong. Maybe the game's fantastic, but PlayStation hasn't shown us otherwise as of yet. Absolutely not. And um, something else to say, just to, you know, play a little more devil's advocate here. Um, I was talking about uh, Microsoft mishandling uh, to the extent of not canceling their games soon enough and letting them go on too long. And I think that was the case with Sony Santa Monica and their sci-fi game, which is why it's taking so motherfucking long for them to release another game after God of War Ascension, which came out in like 2013... I think so yeah Super it's probably confident. gonna be yeah. so I'm almost positive it was because it was uh, I'm pretty sure it was the year that PS4 was coming out and it was like one of the last big PS3 exclusives um, besides The Last of Us and Beyond Two Souls anyways um, I think yeah it's um, that's the same example uh, but over on Sony's side where um, obviously they were way deep into that, uh, Sony Santa Monica sci-fi, uh, seemingly RPG and, um, had some really big writing talent on there. And, um, then of course, a lot of Sony Santa Monica's time is spent in their X dev programs or was, uh, with that game company and giant Sparrow and other companies as well. Uh, the, whoever did bound, um, and so, I get that it's taken them this long, but, um, yeah, that's another mismanagement there where I'm like, dude, it's probably going to be 2018 before God of War comes out, and it's just like, ugh, we should be playing that stupid sci-fi game of theirs, you know, which, there's barely been any information about that game come out, and it's been a while since it got canceled, you know? Yeah, I think just so. my closing thoughts on your debriefing before we air closing thoughts is uh, I think three and a half months into this year, it's a great period and you should be happy to own a PlayStation 4 from a game's perspective. I think they've nailed it on all cords. So, yeah, I think it's awesome. If, if an exclusive does come out later in the year, I think it'll be a... Even if nothing comes out until this fall, overall it'll still be a very solid year in terms of PlayStation exclusivity and the purpose of owning a PlayStation. So, yeah, I'm, I think actually nailed it. We're forgetting something. There is going to be another PlayStation exclusive this year in Gran Turismo Sport um, because that game had a had a date last fall, and so if they push it all the way out of this year, that would be really fucked up because that's like, you know, it's one thing to say Red Dead's coming out fall 2017. Oh, we're going to delay it to spring of 2018. But to say 20, 21st of September 2016 and then go, JK, it's 2018, <laughs> you know. That'd be pretty fucked up. So it seems like they're definitely going to hit this year uh, with GT Sport. And um, I don't think that would interest Dom. And I know it doesn't interest me. I don't think it interests you. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think that's going to be part of our crowd. uh, But that's going to be a huge exclusive. Um, Way bigger than Horizon. Probably way bigger than uh, Uncharted because... Gran Turismo is always the best-selling exclusive whenever it comes out, and now it's going to be on the best-selling console um, for um, GT Sports. So that is going to be gigantic whenever the fuck they actually get it out. And it's going to have PSVR support, so yeah, 
that's going to be a big one. It'll also be the prettiest game on PS4 Pro. Those games, the racing games are always the prettiest. Always. Yeah. Um, I think that does it for this week's show. Uh, that was a really cool, I like the debriefing. We'll definitely be doing those. I'll probably do an Xbox one in the future at some point. I'll yeah, but you got to get your own name for it, dude, because okay. it's not the <laughs> PlayStation debriefing, March 2017. I'll, I'll come up with something. Uh, as far as uh, you know, what we're going to be playing, I'm going to be finishing up Wildlands, try to get that review as soon as possible. Uh, and then Mass Effect Andromeda comes out Tuesday. Uh, I've been playing a little yeah. bit through EA Access. Don't want to talk about it too much because Jordan hasn't had uh, the chance to get his hands on it. Um, but Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm super excited. Everyone knows how much I love Mass Effect. Um, I'm just I'm going to be deep in that game, you know? It's uh, yeah, as, balls, as Dom was dude. with Zelda. So. Yeah. yeah, this is like... Like, uh, this is your Zelda, because, you know, that's like Dom's favorite franchise, this is your favorite franchise, um, and unfortunately, most of my favorite franchises are dead, like Dead Space and Bioshock, so, um, I'm not <laughs> gonna get to experience this like you are, but I like very Mass Effect a whole hell of a lot, and, um, it is one of my favorite franchises, so, um, just from a storytelling perspective, because I love the sci-fi crap so much, so. I'm definitely super pumped. Um, an update on my Mass Effect 2 playthrough. I uh, am still not finished with it, but I think I'm kind of comfortable. Like Originally, I, of course, I wanted to finish the trilogy before the new one came out. But finding out that uh, they actually left uh, to go to the Andromeda Galaxy during Mass Effect 2, and then, of course, this happens in a different galaxy in a different time, and so it's really not going to connect at all. Um, back to the original trilogy, I'm not feeling too Can bad about it Can I tell you one all. thing? It's not a spoiler. I swear is it on how my you, mom's life, it's not a spoiler. Is it how you pick your uh, your gender from your shepherd? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just, I, I didn't want you to think it was a spoiler by any means, but you do do that, no, so no, no. there's something there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's not a spoiler. So, um, I'm of course, I'm far enough into the trilogy, I think, to, to be able to tell that, yes, I am a female shepherd. Um, yeah, so back to that. I'm just going to be playing Wildlands and then Andromeda. Uh, not too much else on the horizon. What about you? <laughs> Speaking of horizons, I'll definitely uh, be playing that some more. Probably uh, going to be close to, if not done with it, uh, by next podcast. Um, okay, this is, I'm really glad I remembered this. This is not the thing that I thought I was hoping to remember from earlier in the podcast. Uh, but last week I was trying to remember what uh, show I was thinking of that was coming out. And it was Samurai Jack. Samurai oh, yeah. Jack is probably my favorite television show of all time. And that's up there with Breaking Bad and all the best, you know, live action hour long dramas out there. Fargo and all that crap. Samurai Jack is an extremely special show. And this is not a reboot situation where, oh, well, it was popular back in the day, so we're bringing it back now. This show, I can remember watching the DVD extras in 2004 when the fourth season ended and them talking about possibly coming back and do this because they really never finished the story. They they were open about the fact that the story is not done because Jack is still stuck in the past and is still fighting Aku. Um, the final episode of season four was just another episode, basically, so... Um, I'm really happy to see this show back. The first episode of season five was fucking in- incredible. It was um, everything you could have wanted. They had um, 
all the little beats that you wanted from music to the story style and the action and the voice acting and special characters that they bring in, um, uh, really vibrant characters that they bring in. And then uh, what's really cool is I'm very actually glad that they moved it to Adult Swim um, because it's much more mature. Jack's tripping the fuck out because he's been... Uh, they do a time jump of 50 years, but he hasn't aged at all because he's still stuck in the past. And so he's just like having all these visions of these like dead people and it's getting uh, way more serious and way more adult, but still having the same vibe that the original series had. And so it's absolutely every everything I could have ever wanted from one of my favorite series of all time. Um, kind of like how I was saying... This is your Zelda about Mass Effect. This is like my Zelda, but in TV uh, terms. Because, yeah, this is like one of my favorites. Favorites, favorites. And Gindy Tartakovsky is one of my favorite animators. So I'm very glad to have this back. Uh, shout out to Gindy and the guys. And, of course, Phil Lamar, the voice of Jack himself. Um, so, yeah, very glad to have that back. Season uh, or Episode 2 will be uh, in just a couple days on Saturday. And then... Um, so we have Mass Effect coming up. I'll be playing that, of course. Uh, hopefully I'll be kind of winding down with Horizon as that pops up, because I don't want to be tangling myself up in too many big RPGs here. And then, um, you know, Ghost Recon for me, Jared, could be one of those games that I never play again. And I don't, I've, didn't plan on it being that way, but it's like, you know, I haven't played it in a couple days. I might not never get back to it. I've played it for 20 plus hours. I've had plenty of fun in the open world. Definitely feel like I got my 60 bucks worth. And I'm probably going to get back to it. But, you know, it's just one of those games that... If uh, it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. Exactly. And and Ghost Recon was perfect for that uh, reason. It was kind of a uh, keeping me... Uh, giving me something to jump out of Horizon into in case I so that I didn't get too tired of Horizon before Andromeda. So there's that. Um, and uh, also on the 21st is, or maybe not the 21st, but I think it's next week, um, Ghost in the Shell, the live-action film, comes out. Um, of course, I can't ever fucking shut up about how cool cyberpunk is and how much it is uh, one of my new favorite sh- sub-genres. Um, Ghost in the Ghost in the Shell, the original anime movie, and really the subsequent anime films and uh, anime series have uh, been seminal works in not only anime but also cyberpunk. Um, and so, um, not hearing great things about this movie, but um, this is one of those franchises that I will. I'm just going to go see the movie movie either way, no matter what. Um, you know, even with Major Kuzanagi being uh, played by Scarlett Johansson. I'm just, those are not the things I'm worried about. I just want it to be a quality adaptation, even though it looks like they're not really getting the point uh, so far. But um, either way, I'm still, uh, it's been a movie that I've been looking forward to for a long time and uh, been watching since uh, they started working on it. So it is finally time to see. Um, so yeah. Excited about all that stuff, Jared. <laughs> all of it, yeah. I was never a Samurai Jack guy. I have friends who super fell in love with it, and they're obviously ecstatic about it coming back, so that's awesome to hear. Um, I think that's, yeah, it's pretty much it for episode 51 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. We'll have Dom back next week. 
Uh, please subscribe to us on YouTube if that's the way you're taking the podcast. Uh, review and rate us on iTunes. Uh, do all of that stuff. It definitely helps us grow. We're closer to 80 subs. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, we're going to be in the next, uh, probably in April and May, we're going to be uh, recording a lot of our E3 uh, prediction stuff that will go up closer to E3. So that's going to be exciting. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, any closing words, Jordan? Gotta get back, back to the past, Samurai Jack. Oh, whatcha? Catch you guys in 52. Bye.